Hi, I'm Casey Hobbs. And I'm Shane Mason. And we're the hosts of Nurse Talk Radio. Please join us for this special edition podcast. Okay, so you know it's not your baby crying, and I certainly hope it's not mine, but it's a sign that the baby whisperer, RN Marsha Pod, is in the building. Marsha is also the author of one of the best-selling baby books in the country, Secrets of a Baby Nurse, and our special in-studio guest today. So welcome. Thank Always you. Nice to Always you good this. to have you with us, Great Marcia. to be back. And congratulations for your second nomination of the Best Baby Sleep Consultant in Marin County. And if you win this, will this be your second win? Yes, it Very will. Very nice. So, it will. so is there a baby sleep <laughs> consultant around that you need me to go intimidate or yeah, do, does he need to do a, a baseball bat? Does he need or? to do an I, Tanya on her? <laughs> yeah, <totally. laughs> you know, actually, I'm happy to share it with others. So if somebody else gets nominated and wins, that's cool, too, because, you know. See, that, that's, that's not how you get to the top, Marcia. That's, that's what makes you such a good baby nurse. And that's why she could never work in the White House. Uh-huh. So, right. <laughs> so, Marcia, this week in the news, there were several reports of tragic infant deaths. Let's listen to this clip. A local baby's death is under investigation, and the medical examiner's office tells us it may have been caused by co-sleeping. Your baby won't go to sleep, you're tired, mom needs some rest, and so they end up putting baby in bed with them. Health officials say that if you sleep in the same bed with your baby, that you shouldn't do it. And if you are still doing it, you should stop immediately. So that was a clip from Jacksonville, Florida News 4. An estimated 3,500 infants die each year from deaths related to sleep. Together, these are called sudden unexpected infant deaths, which include both sudden infant death syndrome and deaths from suffocation, asphyxiation, strangulation, and other preventable deaths. So, Marcia, can you shed some light on the differences here between co-sleeping and bed sharing? Well, a lot of people think of co-sleeping as actually being in the bed together but it's really defined as sharing the same bedroom. So if your baby's in a bassinet right next to your bed, that's technically co-sleeping. A better word is bed sharing. So bed sharing is more specific to the fact that a parent and the baby share the same bed. Sometimes it's just the mom and the baby. Sometimes it's the mom, the dad, and the baby. And sometimes it's another older child. So the more people, the more risk And the more blankets and covers and pillows, the more risk. Yeah, just so easy to roll over in your sleep on the baby. Right. And then the baby can't even make a sound. You know, and unfortunately, everybody's heard about the increase of use of opioids and other narcotics. So I just like to say that some of these statistics in death is related to drug use as well as bed sharing. So co-sleeping, technically sharing the same bedroom, is recommended for at least the first 6 to 12 months. A new study came out recently showing how four-month-old babies, when moved to a separate room, actually got better sleep and more sleep, and so did the mom, and there was less postpartum depression. So there's some confusion now about when the baby should be out of the room and how long they should be in the room. But... I always say to parents, you know, it's your choice, what feels right to you. If you can't sleep with your baby in the bedroom, then you should move your baby farther away out in the hall or into a separate space so that you can sleep because that's, you know, really important to recovery and sanity. (laughs) So what are some of the reasons besides just tiredness that people may co-sleep or bed share? 
Well, sick children, Mm -hmm. that's a real common one. If your baby develops a cough or a cold, parents think if having them close to them, it's going to make a difference. Mattresses are a real important part of this because so many people are getting the soft memory foam type of mattresses, and that's not a firm surface. That's not acceptable by the Safe Sleep Organization as a safe place to put the baby. Now, there's other things like the Docatot, which is a circular little bed that was invented in Sweden, and that's kind of the new rage right now. And then that's so easy to put your baby in this little compartment and then stick that compartment on top of your bed or in your bed. And so I see a lot of those being used, and that makes me really nervous because I can just visualize a very young baby trying to roll over and getting stuck, and their face is in that soft fabric that is on the sides. So the recommendation is no sleep positioners of any kind. I just looked at the website for the Doc Tot. They don't promote it as a sleeping place, but a parking place. And so parents don't see it that way. They believe that that's where they should be putting their babies to go to Mm -hmm. sleep. And it's convenient and it's cozy. And so they have been using that. And it's a pricey little thing. And a lot of people get it for gifts. And then all of a sudden, the baby's in the bed. Unfortunately, babies are dying every day from being in bed with parents and other unsafe practices like putting your baby down and surrounding your baby with pillows, thinking they're not going to fall off the bed that way. So there's a lot of factors involved in it. One of the saddest things that I have come across, and by the way, a third of the people that I go into their homes, I see unsafe sleep practices. I tell people, take the comforters off the side. Remove the pillows from the crib mattress. You know, take this uh, bumper pad away and make just the mattress and the crib, tight-fitting mattress. I'm amazed how many parents say, I'm okay with that. That that doesn't bother me. Uh, it's not going to happen to my child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's important to have a soft, safe place for my child. Mm-hmm. Uh, just recently, I was just talking on the phone doing a consultation, and somebody shared that their baby slept on a duvet in a crib a nine-month-old. And I said, oh, but that baby can grab the corner of the duvet and roll up and turn into a burrito and suffocate. And I said, please take it out. It's very unsafe. And But it's not so soft and cozy, the mother says. And I said, well, have you tried it without? No. I said, would you try it without? And she called me because the baby was continually waking up at night. And three days later, the baby's been sleeping through the night. Because she took, she took the, out duvet. the duvet. Because now the baby could roll over and sleep on the tummy, which is probably right. what he was trying to do, but couldn't, couldn't get breathe, over. so right. was waking up. So those are just reminders that there's reasons why we have safe sleep standards. And what's so important about that is because people are thinking about themselves, how you want a warm, cozy bed with lots of blankets and stuff, but that's for an adult who's fully functional. <laughs> or a child who's fully functional, not yes. for a baby. So people yes. don't understand the baby doesn't have quite the mobility. Right. The, and so you do want less. You yeah. just want that tight mattress, you know, right. with and not strength. a lot of stuff. It, it, a lot of it is about strength. The peak of SIDS usually happens around four months. And that's wow. just the time when a baby's, you know, starting to move more, maybe not able to get totally over one or the other direction. 
and get stuck. And that's a real common age. So I'm really promoting strength building in infants from birth, you know, lots of tummy time, practicing movement skills, because the brain then learns it, the muscles get stronger, and then they're safer and they're sleeping. What do you recommend parents do to educate themselves about the risks? Well, you can go online. There's lots of information on safe sleeping standards. There's organizations that actually, you know, have written lists of all of the details. And some of the things that I like to just mention are that having the right temperature in the room, we're all supposed to sleep in a cooler room than a warmer room. Mm-hmm. So for infants, I recommend 65 to 70 In Europe, they recommend less than that. 60 to 65 is a common temperature there. Interesting. But we we know that we sleep better in a cooler room. We Mm -hmm. breathe better in a cooler room. So putting more layers on you you or your baby is the important factor in sleeping in a cooler room. Um, And then always on the baby's back. But if the baby is strong enough and learns how to roll over either direction, it's okay. You can let them be. You don't have to correct that. They will get stronger. And again, it's teaching your baby both ways how to roll and making sure that there's nothing loose around the baby at all. Even if you think it's out of the way of the baby, babies can move and grab things. (laughs) So make sure there's nothing nearby hanging over the edge or on a table nearby that the baby can grab and pull into the crib. So now a lot of people know about SIDS, and I know this isn't the same as that. So talk about the differences of those two. And also the emphasis you were saying about teaching your baby from birth, um, getting exercises to be able to have it turn over and do that. Yeah, what I find is interesting. The longer I have been a nurse, the more I observe that when I'm working with a mom who has been exercising during her pregnancy, she has a stronger baby. I can tell in the first few days when I pick up a newborn if this mom has been a couch potato or she has been in the gym or a runner. Interesting. Because she has a strong baby. (laughs) But that makes sense because if you're getting strong, then the baby is also. That's that's training its little brain. Interesting. Yeah. When people move and you're floating a baby inside of you, that baby is counteracting that movement. Wow. So it's already getting stronger. Smart, smart, smart. Yes. They come out advanced. So we know that movement advances the brain. And so- you know, even if it's you moving them, they're getting, you know, their brain advanced and they're getting stronger physical skills. And so certainly it's only with going for good to yes. do all that. And certainly with autism, you see that movement is key yeah. in, in helping them function. In, in so you everything. can see movement is yeah. big. Well, the way they say that yeah. sitting is the new smoking. Well, I always think at the opposite end of the spectrum, when you're aging, you're you know, we now know that if you build even one muscle cell, you're preserving your brain. That's so the great. more you sit still as you get older, the more your brain deteriorates. And when you're at the beginning of life, the more you move, the more your brain advances. So we know that people that move are healthier. Well, and it starts in the womb. <laughs> and it's so important because last week we talked to a man with Alzheimer's who is nine years in and is still able to have a conversation with us. And he reports the most important thing for him is exercise. It's movement. It's the constant movement to keep your brain healthy. With many diseases, that's true. I know that's true with Parkinson's, too. Yes. So, yeah, it's so 
people don't think that they should like be exercising their baby on the floor, but it does matter. It yes. really does matter to build strength. And that to me is one of the best things parents can do to make their babies safer and less likely to die of SIDS. But SIDS is a potluck term for all infant deaths that can't be immediately explained. So even suffocation is in that statistic. And that's what the saddest death is, because you really can prevent that. So true SIDS, you can't really prevent. I do believe it has something to do with the development of the brain and certain communications that aren't there that, you know, relate to breathing. So, you know, there's nothing we can really do to prevent a true uh, SIDS definition. Right. But that's a small portion of the overall problems that can be prevented. Indeed. Anything else you'd like to share with our listeners about baby sleep safety before you go, Marcia? There's a variety of cultures that believe they need to keep their baby's heads covered from birth. And I have uh, personally found a few babies hidden under the covers, even with supervision, that when I went to go examine them, they were already pale or blue because of the lack of oxygen. So don't put blankets, don't put sheets, don't put any of those things over your baby's head. Keep enough space around your baby's head so there's enough airflow. And using a little fan or an air filter in the baby's room is also wonderful. I, I just think that you got to pass a test or something before you have a kid. Like, well, I wish we would have a like, little test because you take the test. And, well, it's so true because so many people come home with their baby, and you know, my brother was one of those who was just like, I cannot believe they just gave me that baby <laughs> and let me take it home because I don't know anything. All right, so we're talking with RN and baby nurse Marsha Pod. Marsha is the author of the best-selling book, Secrets of a Baby Nurse. You can learn more about her practice at gotosleepbaby.com. So thank you so much, Marsha. As always, it's wonderful to have you with us for your expertise. We love having you. Thank you. Great being here. Good luck in the contest. (laughs) For more information about this topic, visit nursetalksite.com. 